Hi! Welcome to my podcast, Traumatic Transformations, where we help you find hope, peace, and purpose after a big life change or a traumatic event. I'm your host, Gunjani Patel, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist, trauma specialist, and a neuroscience nerd. Join me as I dive deep into resiliency, post-traumatic growth, and normalize mental health to reduce the stigma associated with it. In each episode, I plan to deliver science-backed, actionable tips and strategies so you can take back the control over your life and be inspired to be the best version of yourself with each day forward. So tune in every Tuesday for a featured guest and every Thursday for a solo episode with me, where we unpack mind, body, brain, and spirit connections related to each episode with the featured guest. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin today. The purpose of this podcast is to inform you, educate you, and raise your awareness. It is not intended to replace any medical advice or professional help seeking that you may need. So please use this information wisely and any opinion that I cast is not to replace any medical advice. And quickly before we start today, I just wanted to ask you a favor. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. Thank you so much. And if you rate and review, it would really help us with the algorithm so people can easily search the show if they would like. So I would really love to hear your feedback and what you have to say uh, so I can bring you the content that's most fit for you. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Traumatic Transformations. Thank you all for tuning in today. And today we have with us someone really amazing and interesting from another part of the world, so to speak. Her name is Chiara Townley, and she was born in Italy. She lived in UK and Spain, and now she lives in Portland, Oregon. She is a published writer and contributed to several publications. In the year 2020, she transformed her personal challenges into a spiritual business. She uses her writing and intuition to provide quiet guidance. And I can't wait to dive into her story and her traumatic, post-traumatic growth and how she now uses um, her experience to help other people. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Kiara. And um, I'm so excited to dive into your story. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's a long story. Um, I, as, as you said, I was born in Italy and I stayed there until after university. And then uh, I moved to London. Mm. That's where I met my husband. Mm. And when I saw him the first time, this voice inside of me, I don't know what that was, but definitely something spiritual, mm. uh, said, you're going to marry this guy. So that voice changed my life because mm. I follow it against all odds. And we mm. were able, you know, to make it work despite... Uh, many, many challenges. And uh, then we finally got married in San Francisco in 2014. Oh, wow. And then um, we uh, lived in San Francisco for a couple of years. We saved some money because we wanted to travel the world. Mm-hmm. And then we traveled for six months and uh, we decided to settle down in Portland. Uh, oh, nice. And we moved uh, three years ago. Okay. Yes. And um, we have our first um, baby, our first child. So yeah, now he's one year old. Yes. And uh, it was uh, pregnancy for me was challenging. I never had the pregnancy, uh, the pregnancy glow that some women say they they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I had 
uh, morning sickness for the first couple of months. And then I had, when the morning sickness left, I had uh, acid reflux, like heartburn for throughout all the pregnancy. So mm-hmm. even if, even though I didn't throw up, like it maybe happened a couple of times, I was always kind of ready to. So I had that kind of urge all the time. Yeah. Uh, it was really challenging. And then I had an unplanned C-section. So I was, I really wanted a natural birth. And um, unfortunately, the head of my son got stuck. Mm. And so they had to perform a C-section. And it was kind of my worst uh, case scenario because I've always hated, you know, like surgeries procedure. Right. I'm really like, I don't like the sight of blood and needles and things like that. So for me, right. it was that could happen yeah um I went through the surgery everything went well but what happened is that my brain after the surgery couldn't kind of process um Mm. and so they had to give me um, anti-anxiety medication because you know my brain was just kind of go crazy went crazy I didn't want to stay close to my son they put they wanted to put it on me and I was like I I don't want it like I just I just couldn't you know Mm. process and then we went home and obviously the first months are challenging. I also had to, you know, heal after the C-section. But my husband was there. He was very helpful. So the first couple of months went by really fast. And then the issue the, with postpartum uh, depression and anxiety came when he went back to work. Mm. And I found myself alone with the baby. <laughs> so I had this kind of anxiety about like really taking care of this little being and keeping him alive. Mm. And you know, I couldn't just process the idea that, okay, well, so I, now I, I'm alone and I have to take care of this baby and hopefully not do anything stupid, you know? Mm. So yeah, my brain started to go crazy a little bit. And I talked to my husband and, you know, we, we talk about it and we said like, maybe let's ask for help. Mm. So I talked to my OB. I said, this is what's going on. I don't know. It's just like, I have a lot of anxiety. Um, I have kind of these obsessive thoughts about the death of my baby, like that something mm-hmm. crazy happens. And, and uh, she said like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll book you, you know, a session with a, like a counselor. And then I started to also look for other women who had gone through the same thing, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you want to talk to other women. And I discovered that actually postpartum depression and anxiety is much more common than people mm. think. Many yes. women go through it. It's just that they don't talk about it. Like there are just few women who are willing to talk about it. And so what happened though is that instead of feeling better talking to these people, I felt worse. Like the more I talk about my negative feelings, the worse I felt. So I was like, this is not working for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I decided to stop talking to other people about these feelings, you know, and just really uh, convince myself that it was temporary because I've always been a person, like a positive person in love with life. So I was like, this can't be my new reality. This is temporary. It can't last. Yes. Um, so what I did is ask um, my family and friends to remind me of the person I was hmm. before. You know, so like uh, the positive, happy things that we did together, the times I inspired them. Mm-hmm. And so that really helped me because it reminded me of that identity that I thought I kind of lost. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know how to explain this, but there was something missing that there was something like a like a, the root of the problem that I really I didn't think I got to. Um, and so I decided to just kind of like breathe into this anxiety kind of accepting it right because the worst thing we can do is rejecting and resisting negative feelings Absolutely. because we do, that, 
we make them stronger. They come back, they come back stronger. So I decided to kind of breathe. So wait, you went through so much and I have so much to talk about before. <laughs> I want to sort of unpack some of the things that you mentioned because there's a lot that go, you said that was so important. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to for you to have to have you on this show is because, you know, a lot of times some women and the postpartum depression that you mentioned looks very different for a lot of women. You know, it's very individualistic based. And, you know, like you said, your pregnancy, like you started it was not the pro, you know normal pregnancy that we expect trying to get into i think as a culture we just think wow we got pregnant wow that's what we wanted and then the reality sinks in for some of us and it can be a very scary place you know like for me my pregnancy was okay for the most part but there were a lot of ups and downs through even through the pregnancy and i think culturally i think we were just expected to be just happy and health positive and glowing and you know this unrealistic idea of pregnancy that we have as a cultural pressure or just the societal uh, view of what pregnancy looks like so for some people it's great that's amazing um that's great but for, for a lot of women that's not the case one of the things that you mentioned that struck out for me was um you you experience so your uh, birth part was very difficult you know the birthing process itself you didn't expect getting into surgery but then you had an unexpected surgery what would you tell women um now looking back for you know because a lot of times we don't prepare for this and my biggest thing is prevention instead of reaction you know it's like we don't prepare for our things because we hope that it's never going to happen to us but what are your thoughts retrospectively now everything knowing that you know I think it's just important to be more open to anything and accepting it. Again, going back to, to acceptance, this was like one of my biggest lessons, honestly. we It's okay to be positive, you know, yes. to stay positive, but not ignoring the other reality. So I think that what I was doing is like rejecting, ignoring. It's like, no, no, this is not, not going to happen to me. I'm not going to have a C-section. So I think it's um, more than being prepared, I would say being open right. to any that anything can happen and you have to accept it as like part of the journey because when we accept things and we come from a place of acceptance, we can either do something to change things if we can yes. or we can just let go. And I think that breathing can really help like techniques like breathing. You know, you can breathe in the issue, whatever it is. And once you exhale, you actually let go. You know, you decide consciously that you're letting go. And so I think that being more open to all all scenarios would be very important. I, I would definitely. Absolutely. What you said earlier, you know, in terms of acceptance in my world, we call it awareness. It's like, we can't solve a problem if we are not aware of what's happening. A lot of times when we go through hardships, when we go to difficult things are the, the way we are trained or the way we train ourselves through life is that we just think it's happening and we numb it or we avoid it because it seems so overwhelming. You know, emotions are a way for them to tell us that there is something going on. I think a lot of times we have such a negative um, perception attached to emotions that we get so scared when there's such big feelings. Um, and one of the things that you had mentioned earlier that really struck for me too, was that you were trying to convince yourself that this is only temporary. I am a big believer of things only being temporary. So I have my own view on things. Um, 
Um, uh, and so I, I really think that nothing will ever last forever. You know, neither do our sadness or our valleys last forever or our hardships last forever, nor do our happiness or good times last forever. So whether it's good or bad, I think life is most of the time temporary. And the bad or the sadder or the down moments of our lives are sort of meant to teach us things that we normally wouldn't learn if we were just in the happy, happy, great, awesome part of life, you know? So tell me more about what your take on temporary is, because I think that's really important to address as women go through this phase of life or just any time. I think the idea of temporariness makes me think about uh, more than one thing. So um, yes. I'll, I'll tell you everything about it. So going back to what you said about emotions and feelings, uh, I like using this metaphor that I learned uh, that we are the ocean and our way and our emotions and feelings are waves. So they are temporary. They come and go. And the, the important thing that we have to do is really, again, accept them and breathe into them. Yes. So what I what I did was that, you know, it's like, OK, well, that anxiety is coming. OK, I'm just going to sit down mm-hmm. and breathe into it. And that was really important. What are some of the me. ways that you do some breath work? If you can give my listeners some example, I, there are way, different ways of me doing breath work. But what are you, what is your take on that? Usually I do long breaths. I think long breaths really work for me. So like inhaling, like really long and thinking, focusing on the thing that you're inhaling. So I'm inhaling anxiety, right? And I'm like, when I, you know, exhale, I can accept it and let it go. Um, So that's that simple idea of like breathing and focusing on anxiety, inhaling, taking it in. So Mm -hmm. accepting it and then... As I exhale, you know, I can let it go. Um, That is just something simple that I was doing for myself. Right. Uh, But yeah, as you said, there are different ways of breathing for sure, like different things that that, uh, work for different people. But going back to the idea of temporariness, I think that it takes me to my core belief that we are here to, um, as bodies, temporary bodies. And, you know, I believe in reincarnation and the fact that our souls decide beforehand, make spiritual contracts, sacred contracts about what we need to learn in this lifetime. So once you start to see your life from the point of view of the soul and the lessons that you're here to learn, everything makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And you tend to be more aware and and accept these emotions and temporary things that you were saying in a different way because you see them as part of a journey and you're here to learn. Mm. And that really, this idea of the soul and aligning with the soul path made me see things in a different way. Even the surgery, I was like, the surgery was a way to teach me being so scared mm. about surgeries. Absolutely. It was my moment to meet with that reality of what a surgery is because I tried to avoid it so much, right. you know, right. but it is. My soul wanted to learn this. And Absolutely. so that's that's kind of like a very, I guess, romantic, but very true. You know, No, but it's so beautifully put because I, I truly believe that I think life is the only thing, uh, only place where we get the lessons after the test. I truly believe that we keep getting the same tests over and over until we learn it. And like you, I believe in reincarnation. Um, So I really think that our soul comes into this form of the body that we're in, and we develop, you know, connections or experiences and 
karmas as a result of some of the um, things we do, we act, we feel, and we behave, um, you know, that sort of keeps the checks and balances on how we end up or some of the things that are happening in our life, so to speak. Um, and each of those experiences are meant to teach us if they're not sitting well with us. Because I feel that, you know, to me, I now looking back and all the suffering that I've been through in my life, I tend to look at it as a gift. When I was going through it and when I didn't know the deeper spiritual sense or connection to it, I just used to condemn it so much and resist it and not want it so badly. But now I look at, you know, I, I, I was looking at a, a um, on one of my social media stuff, uh, I was looking at one of my posts and it was saying um, it was by this uh, guy called Vishen Lakiani, and he's a founder of Mind Valley and, you know, the education online platform. And he was talking about it was really beautifully put where, you know, it's like we have salad and we have ice creams. We don't like eating salads growing up, but, you know, our parents give it to us because they know that it's healthy for us and something we want. We can't always have ice cream, you know, in life. It's not always going to be peachy and great um, if we keep eating the ice cream. So I think we get the salads, even though it's good for us, we don't recognize that we're going through those things at the time, but it's like, later when we when we learn the lesson on the other side it seems such a beautiful experience yeah i think that spirituality gives you such a new understanding and perspective on life you're right when we're young we just tend to complain a lot and just thinking why is this happening to me why why we resist we reject we bring more pain to ourselves and i did it until recently you know we keep on obviously (laughs) doing the same thing but as you said when something keeps on coming back returning it means that that is one of the biggest lessons for me for example is patience i know that he's only only one you wait till he turns two or three or four <laughs> and then adolescence I am learning patience like oh none other before so you're so right yeah and uh you know our our children are teachers for us another big thing that really helped me um going back to what really helped me go through the postpartum depression and anxiety um is using spirituality to get out of it and I use the chakra system first Mm -hmm. of all as a roadmap Mm -hmm. so I felt like a like a pressure on my chest and uh, going back to the chakra system I knew that the fourth chakra the heart is about love and compassion and self-love and when I thought about self-love I was like yeah you know kind of like that revelation (laughs) was This is what's missing here. I stop loving myself because the moment you start to think you're not going to be a good mom, you're going to do something stupid, you're not going to be able to take care of your son, you stop loving yourself. And then how can you connect with your son and love your son if you don't love yourself? So in that moment, that was like, I have to go back to the love for myself. This is what I lost. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I use a variety of tools, you know, like meditation, loving kindness, meditation, positive affirmations about love and loving myself. And I retrain my brain because I think these tools combined can really help you retrain the brain. And And not just that, I also reframe the idea of motherhood in a spiritual sense. Mm. When I got pregnant, one of my spiritual teachers, she told me this and I and I've been holding in my heart since then, she said, your children are going to be your biggest teachers. Mm. So once you stop realize, like thinking that you are the one who's going to take care and nurture and teach, and you start to see that the child comes directly from the source, because when we yes. reincarnate, 
the, the baby is so close to God, right. the source, or whatever you want to call it, that it's just so sacred and so beautiful spiritually. And they're so innocent. They're us. full of love. They have no malice. They're just ball of just pure, unconditional love. Yeah. And so when I, when I started also to reframe motherhood in that sense as a way for me to learn things and like my son being my teacher, all the pressure, you know, like left. I, I didn't feel that anymore. And I, and I healed. And so that, that was really like, that's, that's how I healed. Absolutely. Wow. What a beautiful story. Because, you know, like you said, postpartum looks so different for different people. And for you, it was difficult because I think as women, we go through so many changes in that first year of motherhood. We lose our identity or we are rebirthing and trying to figure out, okay, I was a woman before, you know, giving birth, but now I'm also a mom. And with that comes so much responsibility. And then the changes you go through your body, the mental frame of mind, like you said, you know, you went through anxiety and you almost didn't know who you were anymore. You know, it, that can be such a big deal for like for me. I decided to breastfeed and just body. I, I had such body image issues, grow, you know, as I was breastfeeding and eating so much and I had changed so much. And I almost couldn't relate to who I was as a part of that. And one of the things that you also mentioned early on that I really wanted to touch on, you know, is that you almost didn't want to con- your postpartum depression looked like you didn't want to connect. And it's so right. And I think for every woman, one of the things that I want to mention here is that everyone's recovery and healing through this process of new motherhood looks very different. And it's okay that your journey is yours. Like for you, you had to switch yourself off from all these women. I did very similar things. Like for two years straight, I did not want to see anybody on Facebook. I didn't want to be active on any of my social media accounts. I didn't want to connect with anybody. Now, looking back, I wish I had connected to some of the positive people or some of the support people where it wasn't just about positivity, but it was just a place, you know, like I recently founded this group called Pregnant and New Moms um, Mental Wellness support group on Facebook to put the focus back on the mom, because it's just like, sometimes you don't want to be positive. Sometimes you don't want to be happy. Sometimes you just can't be, and that's okay. You know? And I really think that it's important to mention that your journey looks, it's, it's yours. You have to do what's best for you and your family. And I think that's really important to mention that. And another thing that you mentioned that really, really, it's absolutely my favorite topic and that's self-love and I think when we go through some of this trauma and you know these big changes in our life it's really important that we find love for ourselves because if I, I truly believe that if we don't love ourselves how can we love anybody else around us we're the first relationship we have you know so I think sometimes as as, as I, I don't know the culture that you grew up in but culturally I just was always raised to think that it's all about everybody else. And if you take care of yourself or focus on yourself, you're selfish. And, you know, to me, it's absolutely not healthy to think that you just have to give, 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 and don't have anything left in you. So how can you give if you don't have? Yeah, absolutely. It's all about balance. But yeah, I think self-love is the most important thing. And and going back to what you were saying about anxiety, anxiety has different roots. 
Um, So mine was connected to self-love, but another woman may have postpartum depression, anxiety, and could be connected to something completely different. Maybe she had a big trauma growing up. That's kind of what I do helping people. I I try to just go to the root of the problem because anxiety by itself, you're an anxious person. Yeah. Uh, You know, Western psychology tends to put you in a box. It's like, oh, you have anxiety or give you the pill or whatever, you know, but there is like a root. And for me, the chakra system really helps me going to the root of the anxiety and like understanding the history of the person and what happened there you know what was your relationship with your parents because all these things really matter and especially when you become a mom they they come back to you you know like a flood I actually just posted something on that today because it's like a lot of motherhood brings out a lot of unresolved childhood trauma and if and and it looks different in different women like you said with anxiety and I and most of the people in my group tend to experience two things anxiety postpartum anxiety and mom guilt and one of the things that I find is that you know anxiety it's like there is a concept the uh, anxiety is twofold one is situational anxiety so certain situations cause you anxiety but then some anxiety is subconsciously etched like you were saying so if we have unresolved things in the past that we haven't worked on or worked through or processed it really has a way of it's like a pressure cooker it just keeps steaming back up as a way to get our attention trying to tell us that this needs to be resolved or healed or put to rest and you know i think in in those things neuro linguistic programming or subconscious programming or chakra work like you said are the only ways that takes care of itself the pills or you know talk therapy um normally and again this is not medical advice uh, different people can work through different things in the way it works for them but i have found that a lot of subconscious work needs to be done in order to get to the root of depression anxiety ptsd yeah i totally agree agree with you i think that spirituality is where the healing is but i think that you know uh western psychology can still help especially people who are completely unaware of things yes. like yes. if you need to really like uh, you know, get things to the surface on earth, yes. then a psychologist can help you do that. But once you know what the problem is, I think that spirituality is why you heal. And spirituality, according to me, I, I truly think it's like science is knowledge and knowledge is powerful. You know, it's like one side of the coin. The other side of the same coin, we need to hold space for spirituality, which is, you know, either the the, the world of energy, you know, the quantum physics, the, you know, the, the religion as some people uh, see it. Um, you know, it, it, there is a difference between spirituality and religion. But, you know, I think the the spirituality aspect of things are the other side of the science coin. And I really think that, you know, if we keep shutting ourselves off of it, we don't allow ourselves to completely heal and um, work through a lot of our um, ingrained issues. Um, Yeah, I think that it depends also like the concept of spirituality. The way I see it is the fall of the illusion of separation. Once you understand that everything is connected, that there is a bigger picture, uh, that you are connected with your other human beings, with the planet, with the source, that's when you become spiritual. So this is how like I see it and how I try to teach it to other people. So yeah, some people mistaken like mistaken it for religion. It's not what it is. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know when we were talking talking um, prior to this, uh, just earlier before we were having this conversation, when we first met, one of the things that you were talking about was listening to your body and, you know, the whole aspect of temporariness and the chakra system. Can you tell us more about um, the energy body 
and how we carry some of our stuff in our body. Um, I would love to hear your point of view on that. Yeah, so um, we all have an energy body that extends beyond our physical body. So some people don't believe that, but I'm just going to say it as a truth, yes. right? Because this is kind of what I believe. <laughs> um, and it's uh, formed by this uh, seven core centers that are called chakras. And uh, they develop at different stages when we grow up. Mm-hmm. And so if you have specific traumas that are especially related, like the lower chakras, the, uh, the root chakra located at the base of the spine, the sacral chakra located in the belly, in the intestine are very crucial, especially growing up. If you add, for example, like a parent who abandoned you, issues of abandonment um, or like sexual uh, assault and, and sexual violence, they block these two first chakras a lot. So people have these experiences that really have to work like grounding themselves and really like stay connected with the earth feeling a sense of safety and security because they lost it early on Mm -hmm. and once you once your lower uh, chakras are blocked the blockage usually extends above you know Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. if you have traumas like that uh, your solar plexus the stomach your sense of identity is compromised your heart like the fourth chakra usually is also compromised because it's hard for you to open to love if you have experienced love in a in a way that is not uh, healthy. Mm-hmm. And so the lower chakras are crucial in that sense um, because they block other other areas going up. Like the energy needs to flow freely. And then yes. once you have a blockage like that, it's just incredibly hard. And as we go up in the higher chakras, the self-expression and communication in the fifth chakra in the throat, and then the third eye and the, um, the intuition on the located on the forehead and our connection with the universe and God and the source are really like our more spiritual centers. And again, if you have lower chakras block, it's probably it's going to be quite hard for you to connect with your intuition and your spirituality. Um, that's why you know you need to to go like and and do deep work in in that sense in order to to open all the chakras, especially above. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, yeah, chakras can get blocked at any point in our lives. Uh, some of our chakras are a little bit weaker, so they tend to get blocked more often. Mm-hmm. But it can happen anytime. And once you understand where the blockage is, then there are specific tools that you can use um, to remove these blockages. I use um, visualization, uh, so ta- a tailored type of meditation that I create for the person like mm-hmm. specific images that I think can help positive affirmations um the law of attraction but they're all used for me and the way I use them in my practice is just very much tailored to the needs of the person so they're not general or one, one size fits all yeah exactly that's what I was kind of my big biggest critique of like western psychology is that it tends to put you in a box oh you have this it's this no, we all have a history, you know, a specific uh, blueprint, a specific energy field, a specific soul's path. And I put all these elements together because I think they're all connected and we all need these elements in order to see the big picture. Absolutely. And, you know, I and I, I, I want to sort of uh, speak about that a little because I think even in the world of psychology, we each come as a therapist uh, or as a, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist, we each come with our own set of issues, the culture, the values, the belief systems that we grew up in. So we get, we get specific training as we're going through these trainings. But then when we are out in the world, like personally, my practice, right? The way I practice with people is because I very much strongly believe in what you just said, that one treatment doesn't work for everybody. I like to to tailor it 
to the person based on who I'm working with and what they've gone through. Because everybody's individual journey looks very specific to themselves. And I, as a therapist or a professional, cannot tell them what to do because I'm not in their shoes. But I help them get through certain things that they might be struggling with in their life based on what they want, what they want them. So we, we work on it together. So I really want, want to clarify that, you know, it's not that you go to a psychologist and people just tell you what to do and you, you are, um, uh, you have to do, you know, there's only one way of treating someone. So it's really important that people know that like your work and the spiritual coaching that you do, it's very similar based on who you go to. And that's one of the reasons why I'm very big on finding someone that you want to work with um, who aligns with some of the values and beliefs that you have and, you know, where you are trying to go. Because it's really important that you find the right person because otherwise you can't heal with the wrong person. Then you're just going to, there's going to be a lot of back and forth and power struggle. And, you know, it almost is detrimental sometimes. So like you said, um, it's very important to find someone who works for you in your healing journey whoever that may be you know yeah connections are incredibly important not just in in our life in what we see events synchronicity but also in the people we choose yeah so yeah but for me the key word of everything i guess is connection yes no i i truly believe in that it's like that's one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on this show because i was i i felt such a powerful uh connection to your message and who what you stood for as a part of your journey you know because i think it's really important that even though we might not necessarily agree Agree with certain things or about certain things. We, I think it's important in order to um, be a better version of ourselves, to be, you know, ha- to be able to hold space for someone else's opinion or way of life. You know, um, we don't have to live by it, but at least we should be able to hold space for it saying, okay, this works for them. That's great. It doesn't work for me. And that's okay too. You know? Um, yeah. And I, you know, I was asked like once about, oh, how do you deal if someone is like religious and, you know, believes in God and you give them these tools that, you know, I use tarot too, you know, to, yes, yes, yes. to look into the spiritual path. And, and I was like, you know what, I think that people can take what resonates with them. Exactly. I don't think that you need to, in, throughout all the years that I read about different religious and different practices, I took little bits right, uh, of right. what resonated with me and I created my little religion. Exactly. Can do the same. Right. You don't have to subscribe to a specific religion, a specific practice. You do you. Exactly. No, so true. Um, so before we sort of almost come to completion today, one of the things that I really, really wanted to talk to you was about. I could take, keep talking to you for hours, but <laughs> same, same. Um, but uh, I know that you teach four pillars of self development and acceptance. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yeah, so I think we touched them pretty much already. So that I'm just yeah, going to yeah. give a recap. Yeah, yeah, so for please me, um, summarize that for me. The, the four pillars of self-development are self-awareness. And we talk about it when we talk about getting in touch with your feelings and emotions, listen to your body, see the connections uh, among this, um, these different elements. And I want to add something about this. Don't try to yeah. analyze your emotions and feelings the moment you have them because your brain is going to take you into a negative circle. Right. So breathe into them. Once you're not in that space anymore, then sit down 
talk about it, write it down, journal, but don't try to do it in the moment because the brain starts then to go into a negative circle and wants to find meaning. And sometimes it attaches meaning to things that are just not, it's not the right meaning, you know? Exactly. And especially when we're growing through the event, and I really want to piggyback on that because it's so important just in terms of neuroscience, I've learned over time that when we are in the, you know, in the moment that's not sitting right with us in the distressing moment, a part of our brain called amygdala, which is like the fear center and, you know, the survival mechanism of our brain, which is a very reptilian brain, um, kicks in and that sort of triggers then the autonomic nervous system, which is like, you know, um, the stress response and the relaxation response that we have in our body it's technically the stress response is supposed to be triggered for 45 seconds you know but when we're in a distressing moment then it sends a signal to another area of our brain which is called the hippocampus which is the learning and the memory part of our brain which also has a lot of receptors for stress hormone cortisol so over time people who are just stressed all the time they tend to have their that part of their brain you know very becomes atrophy so it becomes smaller over time and thus a lot of time people can't remember certain things when they're you know, in, during certain events that are that were kind of traumatic. And like you said, if you sit and analyze in that moment, all the areas of your the emotional regulation part of our, your brain, the which is the you know cingulate, the in, you know the insula, which is like the the part of your brain that helps you feel into your body. So like you know, there's a part of the brain that lights up when we feel cold. There's a part of our brain that lights up when we feel angry and you know start sweating. That part of our brain starts firing. So all of these things that are supposed to be like fight or flight, saving us from danger lights up. And at that time, if we try to make, and the part of our brain that's thinking and making meaning part of our brain, which is a prefrontal cortex, it kicks in the last. So it's like all these other emotional, the sensation, the energy body, the hyper, you know, the, the hippo, the memory, the, you know, the fear center, all of those kicks in much before the, that's why a lot of breath work really helps to calm and slow all of these parts of our brain. So then later we can give it the meaning. So like you said, exactly, you know, the meaning part of our brain kicks in the last. So if we try to make sense of things as we're going through, you know, play from a place of detriment, we we assign such, you know, wrong meanings to certain things that are happening that doesn't serve us later. Yeah, exactly. And for me, going back to my experience, it was like, Having that anxiety didn't mean that I was a bad person, but my brain said, oh, if you're seeing these images, you're a bad person. And yeah, no, that's not the case, you know? And so that's why I wanted, you know, to just really touch on that. Then I I think we touched, uh, we talked about acceptance and how it's incredibly important not to reject, not to resist emotions um, and to breathe into them and really accept things for what they are. And if we can do things to change them, then we can, take action but from a peaceful place because acceptance is a peaceful place Uh, and if we can't we breathe into these issues and we let them go as we exhale and uh, I think we didn't touch on the living in the present so going back to it because that's very important going back to what you were saying um, about the joy that we experience that is temporary when we uh, achieve a goal we are really happy obviously but as humans we our ego tends to go to another goal like so what's next you know yes. so that joy is not real is not authentic when we learn how to live in the present moment that's what also a child teaches you because they live in the present moment right. when we live in the present moment we find authentic joy that joy is the soul joy it's 
it's the it's the real one yeah. um and so going back to the present is incredibly important. When the ego takes you back to the past or like gives you anxiety about the future, and it's okay, you know, again, accept it. Don't scold yourself, you know, it's right. okay. Just go back to the present. Like every time, okay, so what am I doing? I'm washing dishes. Okay, well, let me feel the water. Is it warm? Is it is it cold? You know, yeah. just go back to the sensation, to the five senses. They take you back to the present. So important and so well said. You know, I love, love, love the concept of mindfulness. And I really learned it the hard way. But, you know, one of my favorite books as I was planning to, you know, I was as I was recovering from some of my major stuff in life, um, one of my best friends had recommended me the book called Power of Now. And it started me into the process of, you know, uh, living in the complete present. I mean, you know, if, if, if you don't know what it's like to live in the present, I really like I would like you to start with that book because it's a great roadmap to what, of what all that means. But, you know, it's like if we find ourselves living in the future all the time, it causes us anxiety. If we dwell in the past all the time, you know, which most of the time we're designed unless we train and teach our brains and our behaviors to change so that we can continue to live in the present. Because one of the biggest things like, you know, it's like monks, right? What, why are they so content? Why do they seem just so bliss at, at bliss? It's not that they don't suffer. They suffer. Or the people, and I'm just saying monks as an extreme example, but most people who tend to be on the, you know, not the suffering side, but in the middle where they're not monks, but they're also not suffering, but they've now learned, the, you know, l- learned and trained and taught themselves all these skills to improve. They teach themselves as much as they can to be in the present, to live the complete joy of what that moment entails. Because, you know, a lot of times what we do is, what are we going to do in the future? What are we going to do in the future? And we get so caught up in the future. And then the future comes and we're still worrying about the future. And it just keeps, the line keeps being pushed forward. It never is this moment, like today, right? Is uh, I'm recording this one on the occasion of Diwali. We just talked about this. And one of the things that I was really reflecting on today was, you know, yes, COVID sucks. Life sucks right now. But one of the things about today that really, really resonates with me was that when I was younger, it was one of the best, best, best holidays of my life. Like it was just something I would look forward to. Right. And, I, and when I was there as a child, like my my childlike self, I thoroughly, completely enjoyed that moment about, you know, the firecrackers, eating all this food and stuffing my face, you know, being with my family, getting all these gifts, lighting all these candles, doing all these silly things that we did. And now I look back and I just feel so happy that I did all those things. And I had the time and just the focus of completely being in that present that I don't even miss it. I lived it. And that was that time. And now I, I, I do what I can to, I don't know, somehow just living in the present makes life so much more content and blissful as opposed to dwelling about what we miss or what we could have. Yeah, it's 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 one of the pillars of spirituality. You 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 mentioned uh, the power of now. I read A New Earth, but I would say a cartole. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend it. Like read the book, but don't just read it and put it back on the shelf. Like really put <laughs> the lessons into practice. Yeah, amazing. It really described the ego in a way I had never thought about it before. Yeah. Um, so it was really revealing. 
Um, and then the fourth pillar, I, we talk about it, it's the energy field. Is this idea that we have a balance that is energetical that we have to really take care of because yep. our physical issues show up because of an energetical um, imbalance. And that's what we need to understand. Obviously, once you have like a physical issue, you, you're going to need different elements to, to heal. You're going to need right. a, like a doctor. But, but what I'm trying to say is that the cause is energetical. Right. Um, once you understand that, you also understand how to prevent you know yes. that yes. um the disease from coming and so this balance is is incredibly important and it goes with the idea that our soul is here to learn the specific lesson so once we have a distressing situation that keeps on coming back and make us feel anxious and depressed well like let's change something that because it keeps on coming back because of the the lesson that the soul chose and so all that part really helps you then move forward in life in a way that, you know, I never thought it was possible without spirituality. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of my other books at the same time I was reading, recommended by one of my, that same friend who told me about um, Power of Now was Seed of the Soul by Gary Zorkov. And it is such, that's why you sing my tunes, Kiara. Because <laughs> I've read those. I was like, like books, scientists. <laughs> This Harvard scientist talking about soul, but he puts it in such a scientific scientific terms and so beautifully read, well written, um, and so powerful. So you know, I'm very big on bibliotherapy. I feel like book books give us knowledge and they teach us to grow. They teach us to 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 get the answers that we seek that we normally can't tend to find. We don't have to agree with them, but I think they're a way of teaching us different life lessons that we so our soul so um, yearns to seek. You know, yeah, we have to read like, please, whoever is listening, read a lot, you know, yeah. because you learn so much. I read so many books about spirituality. That's how I kind of I build these core beliefs that also help me in my life in a concrete way. So this is what they do, especially, you know, self-development books like A New Earth or The Seat of the Soul. They're incredible. Yes, yes, yes. So. Wow, what a jam-packed episode, but amazing, uh, amazing tips for my listeners. I really uh, appreciate your your um, story and what you teach and the lessons that you have. So, so sort of give us, before we end today, can you tell my listeners where they can find you? What is the best way to look you up? I put yes. that in my show notes, but, you know, just so of course. for people who are listening. Yeah, they can find me www. My name Chiara, be like Bravo, Townley, all one word. dot com, and they can find um, you know my story and my guidance project, which is what I talk about. What I didn't mention is that I do it in written form, so I do offer spiritual ongoing spiritual counseling. But the first is a written document where I analyze your chakra system. Uh, I write down the blockages that you have, tools that you can use. I look into your astrological and Ayurveda profiles, and I uh, read the tarot to understand your spiritual path. So soul's path. So this is all in a written document. So that's kind of the the first thing that I do for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Kiara is spelled C-H-I-A-R-A, Townley, B, B as in boy, Townley, T-O-W-N-L-E-Y. Um, dot com. So please find Kiara if what she's speaking speaks to you and your spiritual 
path or your healing path. Um, and thank you so much for tuning in today. If you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe. We would really, so you never have to miss an episode and rate and review us so we can get more feedback. If you would like me to um, work or speak about specific things, please send me an email at gpatel at gpatelcounseling.com. I always love hearing from you and uh, please, please, please stay tuned and I hope that my work is helping you become a better you. So thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time. Thank you so much, Kiera, for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.